This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have as your children to gather together to worship our Father. We thank you also for the Word of God. As I come to teach today, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I'm trusting in you, and therefore I know without doubt that you will anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. And thank you now for a supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly and accurately and clearly without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind, bringing understanding, removing confusion, to every heart that faith will come as the word enters, and all fear will leave. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' wonderful name, and all those that love the Lord said, Amen, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. How many of you received a SMS or a text from me yesterday? Wave at me. Now, if you have not received a message from me, just put your phone number on the clipboard so that I can contact you. All right. Colossians 1.16, our message is titled, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Praise God. Find Colossians 1.16 or just look up at the screens. I'm reading from the New King James Translation. For by Christ all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Say this, Christ created everything in existence, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Christ created everything. That means Christ created Satan. Not bad, but he created him as a good angel. He created him as an archangel, one of the three archangels, along with Michael and Gabriel. Uh, he chose to go bad. That's his decision. That wasn't God's mandate. <laughs> All right, but we understand here that Christ created everything. That's what I want us to see in that verse. Everything in existence, he is the creator. Say, so Christ is the creator. All things are created for Christ, but here's the thing. It's a, uh, here's the thing that's important. All things are created uh, through Christ and for Christ. All things are created for Him. Everything that was made was made for Him. Isn't that amazing? Verse 17. And Christ is before all things, and in Him all things exist. So that everything in existence stays in existence and functions as designed by the ability of Christ working in them 24-7. So even the unsaved person, his life to live, those that hate God, their whole body is functioning by the life of Christ in them, keeping them all alive. Everything in existence is held there and is given life, which emanates forth from Christ today. 
Jesus is the center of all creation, and Jesus is the reason all things were created. Ephesians 1.9. God made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. God's purpose and plan was destined to be fulfilled through Christ. To be put into effect, to be put into effect, when the times will have reached their fulfillment. Say this, when time ceases, when all things are done, this is what's going to happen. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So that when time is done, everything will be under the Lordship of Christ. Okay? We're just finding out who He is. Our purpose in this life is to work with God's plan on the earth to bring everything on earth into line with the will of Christ. So that my purpose for being here is to bring everything on earth into line with the purpose of Christ. Everything must be brought into harmony with Christ. That's God's destiny. Say that again. Everything will be and must be brought into harmony with Christ. Every lost soul Every action on the earth and every thought of man, every lost soul and every action on earth and every thought of man will eventually be in harmony with Christ and under his lordship. Not one thought shall be thought that is not pleasing to Christ. That's what God said. I didn't say it. Every thought into captivity. Now let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 to see that. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what we have to do, cast them down. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to bring every thought on earth into captivity into the obedience of Christ. Now, obviously, at this point in time, Satan is the god of this world, according to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And that means he, he is lord of the unsaved, and he works through them. He has access to operate here freely through the unsaved. Uh, however, we have the authority of Christ, which is all authority in existence, when we use the name of Jesus. So we, the devil and his activities, are no match for Christ, Right? The authority of Christ is more than enough to stop the problems in this world. And we have that authority available to use to do that. Because we see here what God's mandate is for us. Are you tracking me, church? Okay. So we are too bold in confessing what God wants in the earth. When we see things that are happening that are not pleasing to God, speak to them. Speak to the spirit realm. Talk to the demons actively working through those people. Amen? 
And we will eventually get there. I know Jesus came out for a glorious church. I know that there's going to be challenges in the end times. I know that. But at the end of the day, when all things come to an end and time ceases, Christ will be Lord. And you will be there to reign with him. Hallelujah. So we must use our authority, which is the name of Jesus, to work in harmony with Christ's purpose here. The ultimate purpose for all of this is that everything may honor and worship Jesus to the glory of God the Father. Say that everything needs to honor and worship Jesus to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is Sunday morning. It's a believer's service, right? Are you okay with chewing this meat? Okay. Go to Philippians 2.5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, yeah, God is wanting us to have the same mindset as Jesus, the same attitude of heart and mind. What is that? Well, let's find out. Verse 6 says, Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equal, it did not consider equality with God to be something to be grasped. So even he is deity, right? Christ is deity along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he laid aside his deity to come to the earth. He took on the form of a man. He laid his deity aside. But when he was on the earth having laid his deity aside, even though he knows the glory he had with the Father before time began and the glory he will have again with the Father before, uh, at the end, which he spoke about in John 15 and 17, so, um, even so, he never walked around puffed up with his chest out saying, you know, I am, I am the creator of all things. He didn't do that. He, he had a humble attitude. True? Yes. Verse 7 says, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So he was made into a human, born as a man on the earth, and he took the form of a servant. Praise God. So we are servants, are we not? If we're going to walk in these footsteps. It's getting awfully quiet, this Presbyterian church. How many of us are servants of the Lord? Amen. I am, hopefully. <laughs> All right. I want to serve Jesus, right? Amen. Then we go to verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself and became obedient to the death, to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Gave him the name that is above every name. It could have said gave him a name that is above every name, but it didn't say gave him the name. What's that mean? That means that there was a name kept, reserved, from eternity past, waiting for someone to inherit it. And Christ was the one that inherited that very, very unique, one-of-a-kind name, the name of Jesus. Amen? Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and on the earth. So this when I use that name, Every demon bows their knee because of that name. 
every circumstance that's not favorable, out of harmony with God, bows its knee before that name. Praise God. And I have the right to use that name. Praise His name. Eleven, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we are to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and let everybody know that he's Lord. And when we do that, it brings glory to God. It's God's will that Christ is formed in you and formed in me. Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So before time began, God knew you would choose him. He knew that you would choose him when he presented himself to you. And then he also predestined you to be like Christ. To be like Christ. Just like you were born and you're like the first Adam. So you are like the second Adam when you get born again. All right? So for the, for it says here, in Romans 8, 29, look at that again. For those who foreknew, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren or many brothers, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, firstborn, that's not referring to the manger experience because he wasn't the first one ever to be born when he was born in the manger. The firstborn is when he came back from the dead into life after his death, burial, and resurrection. He was the first one ever to be born again. He was born again. Because he took death, he had life, he had God's life before he died spiritually. And then he was separate from God in death. And then when you and I were declared forgiven, because he was down there with our sins. And when God punished us and he said, you are forgiven. Then it was no longer necessary for Christ to stay in hell. And God's spirit entered him and life came back. So he rose from the dead. He was born Again, the first one ever to be born again from death into life. Born from death into life. First one born among many brethren. That's very interesting. That you are his brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And you have one father in heaven. See that? We are all family. We have one brother. His name is Jesus. We have one father. His name is God. And the Bible said there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no male, there's no female. We're all one in Christ. Which means there's no black, there's no white, there's no pink, there's no purple. When God looks at the human race, he just sees two races. Adam's descendants and the second Adam's descendants. That's all he's interested in. He's not interested in what color skin we have. He created all of us. And it's wonderful. When we get to heaven, we're going to have all these different cultures in heaven, but they're going to be redeemed. They're going to be beautiful. We're going to enjoy each other's cultures in heaven. 
You see that? We enjoy the uniqueness of each other's culture and personality. It's going to be wonderful. Are you tracking me, church? Amen. Now then, it's God's plan that we, along with Jesus, become brothers and sisters of a wonderful family where God is our Father. Romans 8, verse 30 says, And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Thank God He glorified us. We're born again. That, okay, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all that God has done for us? The answer is, if God is for us, who can be against us. Say so that if God is on my side, it doesn't matter who opposes me. If God is on my side, it doesn't matter what problem opposes me. Hallelujah. Amen. Family of God, this is a demonstration of nothing else except divine love. What we have learned about here this morning is a demonstration of the love of God for you, for me, for His children. That's what we've been looking at. All this was done freely for us because He loved us. Let me explain it this way. Perhaps we'll understand it a little better. When Jesus came to the earth, He could have moved mountains around, right? He could have moved the Drakensberg to the Alps, and he could have moved the Alps to Drakensburg. He could have done that. He's the creator of all things, right? And he told us in Mark 11, 23, Whosoever says this mountain be removed and cast in the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, so whatever he says. So he said, anybody can speak to the Mount of Olives and command to go and see. That's where he was standing at the time. So uh, if he said we could do that, then he can do that, obviously, right? Are you with me? You agree with that? Could Jesus have moved mountains around to prove that he was the creator? He could have said, I just want everybody to know I am the creator. I'm 30 years old now. I've come of age. I've been baptized by John. I've just come to the world so that you all know I am the creator. Watch this. Drakensberg, go to the Alps. Alps, come to Drakensberg. Okay? And if he did that, shocking all, everybody would have, he would have had everybody's attention. Then he could have said, okay, to prove that I'm the creator, I'm going to raise every dead person from the dead. And he could have done that. And then he would have seen Moses walk around, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel. Jesus could have proved that he was the creator of all things by a great demonstration of his power. Absolutely. And everybody would have immediately believed he was the creator. Is that true? Everybody would believe that he was the creator. Raise your right hand if that's true. That's what I'm saying. I believe that's true. Do you believe it's true? Are you here this morning? Do you have a hand? If you believe what I'm saying, put your hand up. Wave it at me. Okay. Just want to make sure you're all awake. I know you had a long, hard week of celebration. I'm so glad you made it to church this morning. A lot of people didn't, I can see. I had a fellowship with Mrs. Duvet and Mr. Pilo. Okay. But you'll be blessed for coming. 
All right then. The whole world would have made him their king. The whole world would have made him their king immediately. Even Herod would have said, you are the king. Right? The Pharaoh, not the Pharaoh. The Roman emperor would have said, you are the king. Pilate would have said, you are the king. If he did that. Now my question to you is, now think about this. Why would they have made him their king? Why? Number one, answer, because they fear him. Anybody can do all that, they would have feared him. Number two, they would have been overwhelmed, for sure. Wow, shock and awe. Number three, they would admire him. Look at that, isn't he amazing? They would admire him. Do you agree with all this? I'm going to ask you another question, though. Would they trust him? Has he done anything, has he done anything to let the human race, if he did that, had he done anything to let the human race, the human race, trust him? That's all he did when he came, he was born from a virgin, and that's what he did. That's it. Would the world trust him? Has he done anything to make me trust him? You'd know he's great, he's all-powerful. You'd hope he's going to be kind. <laughs> but would you trust him? There's nothing he's done that would make us trust him. And my next question is, would the people of the earth love him? Would they love him? If that's what he did. He got born, moved mountains around, raised all the dead people. That's what he did. Would the people love him? Is there anything he did that would make people love him at that point? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's all he did. But Jesus didn't come to demonstrate his power. He came to demonstrate his love for us. He didn't come to demonstrate his power. He came to demonstrate his love for us. See, look here. It was his love... It was his love that healed the lame man. It was his love for the blind man that healed him. He was moved by compassion. It was his love that healed the deaf and dumb man. It was his love that drove him to the cross to take our place. It was his love to take our judgment and our death for our sins. It was his love that drove him to do that. was his love for you and me. That he was willing to go through all that pain and suffering and burn in hell for three days and nights. Taking our punishment. And if you don't understand that he went to hell for three days and nights, get my book on the covenant. I give tons of scriptures to prove that. Alright, so, it was his love, not the nails, that held him on the cross. Because he could have called 72,000 million angels to come take him off there. He could have got off himself. So now we love him because he first loved us. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, Faith which worketh by love. Say this, faith works because of love. So now says, because I know he loves me, I believe in him. I have faith in him. 
Is that correct? Okay. Because we know how much He loves us, we believe in Him. We have faith in God because we know He cares for us because we know He loves us. We know He has forgiven us because He loves us. We know He, he, he will protect us because He loves us. We know He will meet our financial needs because He loves us. We know He'll help us take care of our families because He loves us. Because He loves us, we can and we do trust Him. And because we know He loves us, we know He will not disappoint us. All because He loves us, we worship Jesus. Because we know He loves us, we worship Jesus. Isn't that so? The reason for all of creation, the reason for all of creation is for the glory of God and He made it all so He could bring us here and have a family to love Him and that He could love for eternity. Thank God we are going to be with our Father and with our Lord that loves us so much for all eternity, child of God. What a great, great joy we have to look forward to. Amen? Amen. So you just keep serving Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Make sure you read your Bible and pray every day. Because the day you don't read your Bible, the day you don't pray, you are backsliding. Let me just tell you straight. If you don't read your Bible and don't pray, you're backsliding. You're not going to be hearing God's voice like you should. You're out of fellowship with God if you never read your Bible and never pray. And if you don't go to church, you're backsliding. It's getting awfully quiet in the Presbyterian church. Especially when God's done so much for us. Should we not at least respond with gratitude? Okay. Praise God. Well, we're going to have communion now. So hand out the emblems, please. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. One Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read verse 14. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm about to say is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the benefits of the blood of Christ? So when we drink the grape juice this morning, Aren't we sharing in the benefits of what the blood bought for us? Aren't we tapping into our covenant rights? Our covenant rights. The blood bought us a new covenant with God. And when we drink the grape juice, we are tapping into 
what the covenant paid for. So whatever you need, you can receive. You are tapping into that at this moment in time. And I encourage you, if there's anything in your heart that's not right with God, ask Him to forgive you now. All of us make mistakes. All of us do. So just check your heart. Make sure you have asked the Lord to forgive you for any mistakes before you partake of your communion this morning. Amen? It's a time for us to get close to God and to allow Him to speak to our hearts. Amen? All right? So that's what we need to do here. While I'm handing out these emblems, I want to share that with you. So as we take of the grape juice, which represents the blood of Jesus, we're tapping into the covenant benefits. So hold up the grape juice and say this, Lord Jesus, because of the blood that you shed on Calvary, that purchased a covenant, sealed a covenant, enforced a covenant by God and man, between God and man, I have the right, when I partake, to tap into all the blessings of this covenant. So I declare right now that I am forgiven for my sins. I stand before you, Father, cleansed, righteous in your eyes, with your righteousness, uncondemned, and I am welcome into your presence. Thank you, Father. And I receive. Now you go ahead and say what it is you need from the Father and receive it now, right now because we're tapping into the best benefits of the covenant. If there's anything you need, you thank you for it, receive it, and you thank you for it right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then we'll drink it all together. All right? Now say, thank you, Lord. I believe it's done in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But then the Bible goes on to say, when we bless the cup of the Lord, Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the benefits of the blood of Christ? And when we break the loaf of bread, aren't we sharing in the benefits of the body of Christ. Okay? So, say this now as we eat the bread. Say this, Lord, I thank you. As I eat the bread, I am tapping into the benefits of the body of Christ. His body was broken that mine can be healed. And I receive complete health right now. Thank you, Jesus, as I partake of this bread with gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen. showing that we are one body. And think about the nation of Israel, all who eat. 
their sacrifices are united by that act. Say this, when I eat and drink today, I remember that I'm one body with Christ and that we are united. And say this, when there's unity, there's God's blessing. And I will do my best to ensure that there's always unity in the body of Christ. By the grace of God, I'll never be the reason for dividing the body of Christ in any way. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.